ready. I'm milling about with Noah Wiley. He's right there. And he is starring in At the Gates. Hi, Noah. Hi, good morning. Thank you for having me on. Good morning. You're like the picture of Dorian Gray. Picture of Dorian Gray, yes. It's right over there on the wall. Oh, you don't age. It's so great. You look the same. I love it. Thank you. That's very kind of you to say. So now this film is so poignant and timely, don't you think, for what's going on in the world today? I do. I, you know, it's extremely relevant to what's happening. Uh, what I like best about it is it comes through this Trojan horse package of being a kind of a cool psychological thriller. And then you come out the other side, having received an interesting education and vantage point on a kind of a complex issue, that being the immigration issue of Los Angeles. Have you ever experienced living in Los Angeles? What, what this film is saying? I'm a third generation Angelino. My father was born here. My grandmother was born here. I have deep and long standing ties to this city and this community. And uh, yeah, I've, you know, you can't be in this city and not be faced with two issues, uh, immigration and homelessness. And those are the crucibles of our age at the moment. And the undocumented worker situation in our state has been the dirty little secret of our state forever. That It's the economic engine that runs it, and nobody really wants to upset that apple cart. But by not denying or not giving people a clear and, and achievable path to citizenship, it's really a, a cruelty. So this movie talks about that issue but comes at it from a very different point of view than anybody's really tried to. Yeah, and I imagine that's probably one of the things that attracted you to it as well. Completely. I uh, I mean, I like a good agitprop piece of art, but, you know, you want to be subtle in the way you go about it because people right now are extremely sensitive to polemics and they don't want to be preached to and they don't want to feel as if they're being manipulated uh, away from how they feel about something. So... Uh, but any time you get to take a very complex issue and put human faces on it and show that it isn't black and white, that these things are really human and gray and complex and confusing and messy, um, uh, I think it's beneficial. Now, you're of Russian Jewish descent, yeah, your dad. So were you feeling the way I was feeling? Like this really brought up a lot of memories of hiding the Jews during the Nazi occupation. Did that strike you as well? Yeah, and I think that was what Augustus Bernstein was also channeling when he wrote it, was uh, trying to figure out how to contemporize the Anne Frank uh, experience in, in, in a modern-day story in uh, a modern-day city. Uh, yeah, it was not lost on any of us what we were pulling from, and what was not clear to me at the time was how relevant it was going to be to that experience for me when it came out. Two years ago when we made this movie, um, it was a different world. It is crazy how that happens, isn't it? Yeah, it yeah. is. Talk about the house that this was shot in. Well, this uh, there's a part of town called Hancock Park that used to be back in the 20s. It was, it was the Beverly Hills of Los Angeles before Beverly Hills was built. So the houses there are very stately and they're very old and very beautiful. Um that was the area we were trying to depict. Uh, it's very expensive to shoot in that area and people don't really like it when you film in their neighborhood, <laughs> that neighborhood. So we found a house uh, that was a little farther south, but still had the same look and feel. And uh, that 
you know, allowed us to kind of move in there like a big army unit for 17 days and tell our story. So uh, that's what we did. Now, I understand you used your own clothes. Is that true? <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> yes, uh, but only out of necessity. You know, on a budget that is $835,000, you really want to put every dollar that you can up on the screen or in the soundtrack or in the color timing or or anywhere other than where you don't have to spend it. So um, I kind of came to work saying, you know, I think I have clothes that Peter Barris would wear. If you want me to bring them in, I can show you some stuff. And they were very enthusiastic about that. So, yeah, uh, I had to be careful the other night when we did our screening. I was like, what didn't I wear in the movie? Because I don't want to wear one of the jackets that I wore in the movie to this movie tonight. That will look weird. Well, they could have also worked in your benefit as well. <laughs> <laughs> Wiley's still in character, I see. Yes, yes. Have you have you done other projects like that where you've had to sort of make do with what you had because the budgets were so low? Yeah, but this is the best one. <laughs> <laughs> this is the only one you're ever going to see. Uh, yeah, I, I like it doing those jobs kind of on par with going to the gym. I don't always get up to go to the gym, but I know how important it is to my overall health to do it. And um, both lending my time and talent to young voices that are trying to come up in the world is a significant thing to me because it was done for me by others when I was coming up. I also think that the key to longevity in life is staying relevant to young people. <laughs> so the fact that I was the oldest person on this movie not by like five years, but by like 20 years was not lost on me. And I kind of was like, hey, kids, I speak your language. I'm hip. I'm cool. Let's all work together for the next 25 years. So it was a little self-serving. I just want to keep working. Uh, but I really like uh, independent film. And I really believe in independent movies as a legitimate art form that's been under assault of late. Even before COVID, they were a diminishing slice of the pie and COVID really put the death knell into them because people don't want to invest in something you can't see the recruitment from. There used to be a very large market and there used to be theaters and critics dedicated to exactly these kinds of movies. And I really hope that comes back because the only way that we're going to counterbalance this sort of juggernaut of marvel and dc content that we do enjoy but we seem to only being able to enjoy on the big screen is to support these types of movies and these types of filmmakers as well i would love to see you noah wiley as a superhero <laughs> yes lanky man yes <laughs> what <is> lanky man <laughs> yeah it's not a he's not really in the canon but i'm i'm, I'm flushing it out right now trying to pitch it <laughs> so You've had such a great... The gangler. The, oh, okay. <laughs> Still working on it. Still workshop. What gave you a leg up in your career, would you say? Oh, I've had so many wonderful mentors and teachers and guides and sages that have stepped in at crucial moments. You know, I, uh, yeah, I was 17 years old with a high school diploma and a big chip on my shoulder when I began. And I met a woman named Eileen Feldman, who uh, was a tremendously good agent and, and had discovered Sean Penn and Nicolas Cage and Johnny Depp and had a track record for 
seeing something in somebody and promoting them. And for whatever reason, she took a shine to me and she was my first agent and, and got me my first acting teacher, whose name is Larry Moss. And I studied with Larry faithfully for five years when he first came out to LA. Uh, early mentor, early influence, you know, people like that. I wasn't seeking them, but I was open to hearing them when they entered my life and they changed the whole trajectory for me. Yeah, it's so weird. I was reading that you did 254 episodes of ER. I don't think I could do one episode of anything. <laughs> wow. I kind of look back on that and shake my head a little bit too. But that's, you know, when you're in your 20s and early 30s and you're single or, you know, young, you just kind of go. And uh, uh, I, it's... It, on par with looking around and realizing that I was the oldest one on that film set and not really knowing how that had happened. I suddenly kind of look back at a resume that looks a lot more impressive than I remember it being and uh, is a lot fuller than I feel like it should be. And I still tend to think of the best stuff ahead of me and, you know, still trying to figure it all out. So hopefully I'm still kind of midpoint. Oh yeah. And my husband and I were addicted to falling skies what oh wow right on oh my god you know that was so incredible noah that was a really intense experience that was five years of canadian winters and a really tight ensemble that just was in for a penny in for a pound as they said we were up for being wet and tired and dirty and and grungy and cold yeah i think that was like the last of like the really good network shows Honestly. Thank you. Thank you. That was a, that was such a chapter. You know, I started that show. I don't mind telling I've told other people uh, at the end of my marriage, when my life felt like it was falling apart, which thematically felt really relevant to what was happening at Tom Mason. And when I finished that show, I uh, was newly married and about to have a baby and starting this whole second act. And we left that show on this period of, of hope and rebuild. So my life and his life were very closely aligned through that period of time. So it's a really special show to me just for that reason alone. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. So my last question to you is, do you feel like like the, like the power of film can really make a change? Is that possible? Absolutely. I, I, I know it's true. Um, if it's done thoughtfully and it's done well and it's supported, absolutely it can. I was just talking to a friend of mine about this the other day. We are working on a project and he said, what are your expectations? And I said, I don't want to sound grandiose, but I'll throw down a gauntlet. I want to have an impact on par with what the day after had. I don't know if you remember the day after when we were young people, it was almost required viewing in school, but it was so profound that it changed our national policy on nuclear energy. And, uh, I think that art can still have that power and uh, maybe only art can have that power at this point because we need something that can break through all the noise and all the, the, the argument that touches us all universally in a way that we can't articulate, but that we can all see commonality in each other from being affected in the same way by it. Absolutely. Noah Wiley, such a pleasure to see you. Thank you so much. You look great. My pleasure. Get over how good oh. you are. <laughs> I can't say how fast and furiously I just brushed my teeth and washed my face. <laughs> I uh, That was a scramble. That was a scramble. Very kind of you. <laughs> 
All right. I hope to see you again soon. I hope so too. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Always news. Always refreshing. Always candid. Always billing about. Robin Milling delivers what celebrities are saying to you. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.